think for anybody, you really have to, and I think the earlier you do this, the better is like, do you want to be a manager or do you just want to be like a senior individual contributor in whatever position you have? Welcome back to Leave a Legacy. I'm your host, Gabby, and today we are sitting down with Alex Kinsella. Alex is a freelance writer and content marketer based in Kitchener, Ontario. Alex is behind the TLWR newsletter, Waterloo Region's weekly events newsletter, and has also worked with some of Canada's most well-known tech companies in roles such as product management, public relations, and social media marketing. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So uh, you are a freelance writer and content marketer. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do, where you come from? Yeah, so my my path to where I'm at today kind of took, like I think a lot of people's careers do over time, um, no matter what generation you're in, um, just through different industries and different, um, different areas of focus. So my degree is actually in Russian and Eastern European studies, um, which is wow. not the most marketable degree um, to get, but I, I really enjoyed the program um, that I did. And it was a, a really interesting focus on um, both economics and art. So it was kind mm-hmm. of a, a good opportunity to learn a lot about a culture or a group of cultures from a bunch of different angles. So it was really good. But of course, when I graduated from university, uh, it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, I have this degree in Russian studies at the time. Uh, Russian wasn't the, the language that people wanted to speak. It was <laughs> Arabic. Uh, so I was up in, in or down, I guess, in D.C. at the mm. time and looking for work. And there wasn't a ton. So um, I took a job at a university uh, that a buddy of mine worked at and did that for a little bit. And just through through talking to people and and learning, you know, learning on my own, um, I got offered an opportunity to do customer service at a startup oh, uh, okay. in West Palm Beach, Florida. So that's where I, I grew up. And uh, I took the job to something that paid better than what I was making at the time with no <laughs> career aspirations other than like, this is better than what I was making uh, at the other job. Um, and one thing led to another, and it was just a really great group of people who um, focused on, uh, you know, whenever you hear about culture, especially like in, in tech world and how important culture is a lot of it is um is perks or it's you know we got ping pong tables or we got catered lunches and a lot of that's pre-pandemic obviously but you know those kind of things and to me culture really is is way more than that those are just superficial things that you would have and culture is about the relationships you have with people not the stuff in the office or the stuff remote work or anything i mean remote work is fantastic too but it's the relationships you have. And this is a group of people mm. who really fostered um, trust between people and gave opportunities. And so even though I was working this kind of entry-level customer service job, um, an opportunity came up one time to, to travel to a customer site, do some work at the customer site. And I, I took it um, and I went and it was great. Um, and then they're like, hey, you were, you were okay at that. Let's get you some training and we'll send you to more of these. And that stuff just kind of spiraled from there. Um, and that led to me becoming a software developer at one point. Which Whoa, is a totally okay. different different thing. I just you know, we're like, hey, you know, you 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 seem to like this. We'll we'll give you some training, and um, that's actually that mm-hmm. same company got acquired. That's how I ended up in Canada. Um, and again, you know, those those same things here, just opportunities that came up, and and just really, really willing to uh, to learn and take opportunities is kind of what got me through <laughs> a number of other job changes 
um, that I won't totally bore you with, but uh, yeah, eventually the thing I noticed throughout all my, my jobs and how I got to where I am today is, um, and my, my background is actually in, in communications from when I was in high school, um, but I never really envisioned myself writing uh, for a living. And one day after another, you know, someone would be like, hey, could you wordsmith this email? Could you update this web copy? Hey, I need help sending this message and get them going. And then one day someone's like, hey, do you want to write an article for this local magazine? And I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, that's fine. And um, I wrote it and they're like, okay, just send us the, the invoice. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, we, we, we pay for, for people to write for this. I'm like, you pay people to write? That's amazing. I <laughs> never thought about it. Before. Like, <laughs> and I was in my like mid thirties. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, yeah, no, yeah, we, we, we pay for this. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And then, you know, a little by little, I, I found more and more of that and then decided to go off on my own. And so it's been uh, two and a half years now. And wow. I, I write for people who, who need help writing. Yeah. So you went from Russian studies to software development to, or customer service, software development to writing. Yeah. And then I did, I did a weird stint in, in public relations too, which was a lot of fun <laughs> being a PR person, which was a total, again, it was one of those ones where I was at BlackBerry and I was in a product mm-hmm. management role at BlackBerry and the, the senior VP of PR and communications was like, you seem to really enjoy like this side of the business. And I was doing a lot of like spokesperson kind of stuff. Like they need someone to talk about this feature or this issue. Can you Mm -hmm. talk to someone? And I was like, yeah, no, it's fun. Like, why don't you come be a PR person? I was like, okay, I'll I'll go do it. And I did it for two years and it was fantastic. Mm, Wow. That's great. That's very much not a linear path, but I like how you were saying, like you were taking opportunities and just kind of going with the flow and, seeing what comes your way right well and and for me like a lot of everything I've done has been driven by uh it sounds pretentious curiosity uh (laughs) but I I like I like learning new things and I'm always interested in uh and and what kind of what drives my writing is I'm interested in other people's stories of how they got to what they're doing today whether they're like you know they they started a charity or they work at a tech startup or they work at a construction company or whatever like Mm -hmm. how did you get from high school to where you are today because I always find those paths you know everyone's path is just kind of weird and winding and different and influenced by you know by friends and parents and teachers and and everything else you can imagine you know I mean like I have have three kids and you know they're already at that like when I grow up I'm gonna be I'm like (laughs) you have no idea what you're gonna do like look at your mom and I like neither of us are doing what we really even went to school for and um, in a lot of ways. And it's just, you know, you kind of evolve and grow and, you know, and the ones like, I want to be a YouTuber. I'm like, there's no way in hell that's (laughs) happening. Um, We'll find you some other career. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. I can, I I can relate to that. When I was younger, I was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to go into science. I did not like science whatsoever. I was like, wow. Okay. I'm glad I figured that out. No. And even here, like we have um, like a, a, a really awesome ice cream, ice cream shop, I guess. And the woman who runs it um, has like her master's in chemistry, like chemical engineering and wow. just decided, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore, but chemistry lends itself to ice cream. And she had a passion for ice cream and now she makes amazing ice cream. And Yeah. So here you are, you ended up in marketing. How did you change that? Or how did you, I guess, evolve your career into freelance? 
because you 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 know pick up gigs I guess and write for other people right yeah and it, I mean it's it's a big thing now like the whether you call it a side hustle or freelancing or right, gig work right. you know this idea that just you know a lot of companies need help with things and that could be software development or writing a design you name it um and I I saw that continually as I was working at my last full-time job with different people doing it and um it was the right time in life just with where we were like financially like where my kids were and and this is just from like an, like, a, like an older person saying how they got into freelancing but um to, to me it was I always love um meeting new people um and that that for going back to that first job that customer service job like yeah. I was on the phone with these people from like it was all U.S.-based clients but uh our yeah. customers and on the phone with people from all over the U.S. and like you, you can't help but like share personal stuff like they'll tell you oh yeah it's a real stressful day my kid is sick you know those kind of things right you mm-hmm. build up a rapport with these people and you know you're, you're we didn't have a ton of customers so we got to know them really well yeah, uh, that's but true. I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed that bit. And um, the idea of being able to work for a bunch of different people was very much aligned to that memory, right? So when you're working in a, in a smaller startup, and you've got a smaller number of customers, um, you, you kind of position yourself as like an extension of their team, because mm-hmm. you want them to rely on you. So they keep on you know paying. Um, but you're, you're, you're there all the time, you, you know, you, you kind of build this up. And I like that idea. Um, and so yeah. when I started to think about going off on my own, I was like, you know, this, this could work. Um, I know a number of, you know, I had, I had a couple of clients that I could say, Hey, would you, would you pay me like off the bat as we start doing it? And so I left my full-time job with some kind of almost guaranteed work, quote unquote, and, uh, just, just kind of built it from there and, um, and, and continue to kind of pivot and, and examine new things. But it was, I, I didn't know what I didn't. What was that expression? I always get that moment mixed up. I didn't know what I didn't know. That's not the right way to say it. Something like that. Yeah. Anyways, okay. I thought I, I thought I, I had this. Yeah, I thought I had this plan. Like really thought out. Like you know, because for freelancing, or for anyone who's listening about freelancing, like the, the core of it is how much do you want to make, and then there's like 172 like workable days in a year or something like after weekends and holidays, yeah. um, and then how much time you want to have off and da da da, and then. That's that's how you figure out how much you have to make a week mm, okay. in order just to, to hit that number that you want to hit. So I kind of did that same thing. I'm like, okay, if I want to hit this number, I need to work this many days or build this much a week or work this many days a week and mm-hmm. so that holidays and everything else. Um, and I had this theory for it. And at first it seemed to work. And then I would start getting these like asks for other type of work that I didn't set myself up for. And I was like, that's that seems like really interesting and the the money actually works out better this way so i started pivoting even how i ran my business and like my initial idea was really built around like fractional marketing so i'd go and do web copy and email marketing and social and blogging and everything else you could possibly need in a day a week right because a lot of the early stage startups is all they need Um, and i have a few of those but then there's so many more who are just like yeah i need two blog posts written a month and that's it. I'm like, that's, that's perfect. I can fit those in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was an interesting way of just kind of, you know, I, I thought I knew exactly how this business would work and it's completely different than what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, but still like amazing, but just again, like I, I kind of went off with, with one idea and it changes. Hmm. That's great. That's, that's really cool. And do you think you would ever be able to go back to that like full-time job? No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think so. And I mean it's 
I get asked that a lot. It's probably the number one question. Like, would you ever go somewhere full-time again? If it was like the right opportunity or the right money or the right product or company <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, all, all of those things. And um, I just looking at it, like, I, I kind of look back now at my career of like 20, 20 years of working. And I always liked, like, I would say like 80% I just like doing. And the other 20% is like, coming up with cool ways to do it like the strategy side of things right so i like strategy but i can't do strategy 100 percent because i miss getting my hands dirty yeah like i want to i want to do work i want to i want to write i want to research i want to interview i want to go shoot photos for an article that you know there's a time crunch kind of thing um but then i also like this hey like we had this unique problem we don't know how to approach it um and finding those things and really just kind of like brainstorming and coming up with something you know, cool or innovative or just different. Um, and then executing on it with the other 80% of my time I like. So um, I don't necessarily, I, 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 it's only been two years, but I'm like, can I do that in a full-time job or would I have to find the right way to, or like the right role to do that? Yeah. I think yeah. that's, that's kind of the problem. The other part too, though, I will say is, um, is on people who like, and this is always the weird thing. And when I worked at BlackBerry, I always had this big debate about it around, um, being an individual contributor or being a leader. So if you were a software developer, you know, they had these paths and eventually like all the paths were really built around. And this is a lot of companies still, um, you know, you work there, you work there, you get promoted, you get promoted and eventually you become a manager as if that is the natural progression of life. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of developers and specifically who don't want to manage anybody. They just want to get paid more and just code all day. They don't want to be leaders. Um, And so I think for anybody, you really have to, and I think the earlier you do this, the better is like, do you want to be a manager or do you just want to be like a senior individual contributor in whatever position you have? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I I don't know for, for, for medicine, but I assume for like a lot of like surgeons, like no one, like some want to just be surgeons and some want to be the head of, the surgery department at a hospital, right? Like, yeah. and it's, it's, how do you figure that out? So I went to, um, I, one of my companies put me through like a week long management, like leadership training thing, executive leadership training. And I came out of it like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Like I don't want to, <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to, I don't want to manage people. And it was, it was, it was funny. Cause there was a whole, um, a marketing company set their entire leadership team, including their founders to this as well. So they're in the same group as me. Yeah. And I came out of it like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I just, it, I, it's not me. Like, I don't want to be yeah. a leader. It's just, I, I know I'm not capable of it. I just don't have, I don't have that, like, not the emotional intelligence to do it, but like, I can, I can sit with someone and I can kind of coach them through things, mm-hmm. but I can't be responsible for their finding their way to success kind of thing. Um, yeah. But this other, this marketing company, the, the CEO and the COO who are like the co-founders, they left and they're like, yeah, we don't want to be leaders. We actually miss just doing the work. And mm. they're like head of HR, their VP of HR got promoted to CEO because she came out of it like, I want to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. So even in this one organization, even though like, and they're a very successful uh, company and they're like, yeah, like we just, we just realized now we don't like this. And I think the younger that you kind of identify those things, I think it's, probably better. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. I think the same in sports, right? Like some people are amazing coaches and they come out of being great players. And some people just want to play right. um, and aren't good coaches and uh, identifying that's super important. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And it's like, it's like taking those opportunities to 
get to identify these kinds of things. Like, I mean, it's funny, like all these leaders went to this workshop or whatever week long thing and they're like, wow, I really don't want to do this. And like, you'd think the goal would be the opposite, like to help them learn more and be like, yeah, this is what I want to do and I'm going to be better at it. But I feel like at different times in your life, you're always learning new things about yourself. So it's good that you were able to figure yeah. that out and you well, say that. Yeah. And I would say for any anybody like now, like especially like I, mean, I assume a lot of students listen to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're looking at like that first job after graduating and you know, starting your career and where do you want to go? Um, it is it is great leaders and great mentors that will make or break you. And I, I mean, from personal experience, I just had I had from my first job, like right out of high school, that was like a summer thing before, before university. Mm-hmm. I just had like, I say leaders, they're managers, but whatever, but they just, they cared. They wanted, they wanted to teach. Um, they treated not like an equal, but they definitely made me feel part of the team. Even though one job was like, you know, three months in the summer, they made me feel part of the team. They made me feel like I belonged and valued and recognized the work that I did when I made a mistake, they kind of were like, Hey, this is what happened. You got to next time X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky because I had that, like in my like first couple of roles, I had people like that. It just, it was like a, like a, a kick in the pants in a good way forward because then after when I would have a manager and I've had bad managers, yeah. I was just like, Oh yeah, I know you're a bad manager. So I now had to like figure out, okay, how do I still get what I need to be successful even though I have this manager who can't and I being able to identify them and find them is, is um, like, that's the secret sauce to success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you don't even have to have a manager. You're your own manager with this. Manager. Oh, and that's the problem though. Cause I'm still the worst manager and it's like motivating <laughs> myself uh, to do things and yelling at myself about, you know, you got to get this done. You got to do this and prioritize, but no, it's uh, it's, it's still funny because now it's more important on the mentor side so right. like i'm you know and, and this is this is the most you know second <laughs> second most critical after having great mentors and leaders um is really um you know understanding at any age you can always learn mm-hmm. so even though i'm you know 45 and i've been working for for 20 some odd years there's still so much i can learn and there's people who are um, like my best my best editor right now, one of my clients is like, she's like 23. And the notes she gives me have made me a better writer for all my other clients. And I have some editors who are in their fifties and sixties and they're, they're not that good. Right. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and all, of all age groups. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's being able to, to be, you know, humble and self-aware enough to take uh, a- advice and, and kind of, you know, mentorship from, from anyone you can as you go. So I still seek out great mentors now. And that's mm-hmm. really the, the change from seeking out great leaders. That's yeah, that's really good to hear and listen to because like, I don't know about other people, but at least for myself, like I, I'm trying to like learn all these things in the world, but how am I supposed to get that information? And so seeking out a good mentor, I think is really important. And in just discovering like what you want to do, who you are and figuring things out in a particular field and knowing that that's still relevant, like 20 years from now is, I guess, I I guess a motivator in a way, like a motivator. Okay. Like if I find a good mentor now, I'll be able to build this relationship and have that for the rest of my life if I want. Yeah. 
No, and that's those are the best mentor relationships that can last, you know, through career changes. And, uh, and you know, and you'll find too, I think, like I, I've found this too, or I've had mentors ask me for advice. They're like, hey, like I'm thinking about, you know, this career change and this and this. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's again, it's a nice humbling thing because, you know, I've been so lucky to get advice from them throughout different stages of my career. Mm-hmm. And for them to say, hey, like I'm thinking about this, what should I, you know, what's your opinion? I'm like, they value it's a two-way street and that's uh, you know that's the other part about mentors is you're supposed to learn from each other yeah yeah that's great that's awesome I want to know your opinion on freelance work and how so I've heard the phrase before like the future is freelance how true do you think that is and do you think that the typical nine to five days are over and slowly declining so I I don't, I think nine to five itself is, is on its way out. But I mean, it's also like a relatively young, like structure itself. And I think that's the other thing we always kind of forget, which is like, you know, it's between, between now and 1921, the way that we have worked has changed mm-hmm. like exponentially fast um, in so many different ways. Like there was office jobs were not the dominant, like it was agriculture and industry. And there was like knowledge workers and, you know, this kind of nonsense that we have today, mm-hmm. not the industry that I'm in, uh, but it's like, <laughs> none of that existed. You know, um, how women were in the workplace wasn't anywhere near the same as it is today. Yeah, um, you know, and so like, you know, even like, I mean, that's, it's, we have all these different things that have, have changed and especially now in the last two years, again, dramatically shifted. Um, but like, I look at it as nine to five became this thing where we had to justify being in a physical space. So we have to, we have to go in, we got to look like we're busy, you know? And it's like, I remember like my, my, all my jobs that were nine to five, none of them were really nine to five, right? Cause you answer email after work and everything else. But mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of times I'm just like, I don't know what half these people do sometimes. Cause you're, we're all here and like, there's work, but like, what do you do? And do you need to be here to do it or could you be somewhere else? And I think those questions all came up and the pandemic just showed that, listen, a lot of people don't need to be here. There's a lot of roles we don't need full-time. There's roles we didn't need full-time that we didn't know. Um, But to get back to your thing about freelancing, I think it's just, I think more and more people are realizing that they can, from a company side, um, there's stuff we need to get done and we just need to ramp up for six months. We need... 18 people on this project, writers, designers, whatever, mm-hmm. developers, product managers, you name it. Um, and then we won't really, but then um, these people now develop a relationship with each other um, and can work together again on something else. And the best way I heard it described is kind of like, this is the Hollywood model of work now where, you know, a, a startup or a startup, a, a movie is a startup in a lot of ways, right? It's mm-hmm. someone comes up with the idea, we're going to take it to market we're going to launch it and then hopefully it does well. And that's pretty much what every kind of business does now. Do you, do you need people full time to do this or can you hire to get where you need? And then as you, right. you raise your series A and you need to do this, it's not about hiring, you know, 500 more full-time people. It's who do we need to hire at these different kind of intervals to get us to where we want to go revenue wise and product wise and everything else. So I mm-hmm. do think more and more companies will adopt it. Um, but like everything, it's it's cyclical, and there'll be some rejection of freelancers at some point in, in favor yeah. of it. We need more full time people because you know 
they'll have domain knowledge of this. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah. I, I, I write for, I've written for, in, in a week, I'll write for about Montessori education, quantum information theory, <laughs> top 10 books to read for some, you know what I mean? Like all this different yeah, stuff. Yeah, just different topics. You know, yeah, and, and developers are the same way. Like you'll have these developers who work on a, you know, a med tech app one week and an insurance tech app the, you know, for two months after that, and then mm. do something, you know, so it's the, the expertise is in the craft, not necessarily the domain anymore. Mm, okay, I see. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so you do a lot. You're obviously a marketer. So you, in marketing, you do writing, editing and copywriting. Do you want to tell us a little more about what copywriting is? And what do companies gain from having a copywriter? Um, so copyright everyone has a different definition of what it's for but yeah. copywriting is just is just is just writing but your specific buckets of things so you know there's website copywriting there's email copywriting um but it's really around um a lot of startups will have visual brand identities and that's their logo and fonts and you know primary and secondary and tertiary colors and all the stuff that says here's this is our brand and, you know, a brand is every interaction a customer will have with your business. Um, and it's all focused on the visual side of things. And mm -hmm. then there's nothing about what is our, what is our voice? Like who, who are we? Um, you know, it's, it's, are we, are we, you know, kind of a, a leadership voice? Are we a, like kind of a gesture or a joking voice? Um, you know, are we like the savior for this, you know, issue that we can deliver for you? what kind of language do we use? How do we want to come off in everything that we do? Um, and that's where, where copywriting comes in. It's basically crafting that kind of, that, that uh, companion to the visual brand identity, which is this is how we will actually interact with everybody. Um, right. And you see it, you know, it's, and it's, um, it, it, everyone does it differently and it'll vary now, especially with social where, you know, Sometimes you'll see like a website copy for something and then advertising and social will be completely different voices, but it like Wendy's, right? Like the Wendy's websites, just like, here's some burgers and then Frosties. And then their advertising is about, you know, Baconators. And then their social is their, their social account, you know, talking smack with other branded social accounts, right, which is just, yeah. you know, super weird. Um, but then you have like Nike, which is everything's consistent, right? So across the board, it's, they take that just do an ethos and everything they write, every mm -hmm. web copy, every ad, every product description, everything has the same general thing. So that's the bit that I focus on, which is, is um, especially with startups are saying like you pick, you know, you spend a ton of money on your logo. Who are you and how do you talk? Mm -hmm. And everyone talks, uh, every brand talks differently. And, you know, you just got to find that, that voice and be consistent with it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense just to align with brand identity and yeah, communicating, I guess, with with your audience. Um, yeah. So then would you say that like, you know, as um, a younger generation, we're trying to figure out like what we're doing with our lives. We're trying to figure out where we're going to take with these degrees that we have or diplomas or with the first job that we have, what kind of skills do you need to become a copywriter? And would you say that you would need a background in like marketing or communications or journalism or something like that? No, I mean, I think if, if you were going to pursue this at all, like I mean, writing is one of those things where, and like 
it's not about me creating job security for myself. Writing is a unique skill um, that you that you need to have in anything you do, any career, not mm-hmm. just marketing or anything. Um, it's amazing to me how many people can graduate high school or university or college and just like not be good at it. Like you, you, you have to write at least one paper while you're there, right? But yeah, um, you know, I, I think there's some really core things that you can learn to be a good writer. Um, and a lot of that comes down to being a good reader mm-hmm. um, and understanding that. Um, but if, yeah, if you're going to pursue this, I mean, it's then it's just reading and writing as much as you can. Mm-hmm. That, and, and, and yeah, it's, and, you know, whatever degree you do, um, I don't think that part matters. You have to be a great reader and a great writer to be successful mm-hmm. in anything. It just, just helps a lot in, in what I do. Yeah. Um, and like, and, and like, there's writers who are, there's so many writers who are better than me. And I like, and it's, it's not me trying to be like, you know, uber humble, humble or anything, but you know, I, that to me is inspiring when I'll read something else, someone else has written. And I was like, damn, like that is, that's so good. Yeah. And how do I get to that level? And I was kind of, you know, pushing yourself. Um, the, and the, the biggest thing is just grammar. Mm. because it, again you know i'll read stuff I'm like yeah you don't really know how sentences work do you like, yeah <laughs> this is this is this is a you know a paragraph and it's like you know 800 word paragraph with no periods and it's like yeah here's here's my thing i'm like oh i gotta, I gotta work on this one um you know and, and learning that and like anything um you know once you like for what i do everything is canadian press style guide so i have my copy right. and um I go with that. And then you, you find then the flourishes that make your writing unique mm-hmm. and everyone has everyone, every author you read has something they do. That's kind of cool. And you, you kind of go like, that's a Stephen King thing, or that's a whoever, right? Like, you know, who that, that thing is and finding your own as it goes through. I still haven't found mine. <laughs> you still, still got looking. lots of time. Don't worry. <laughs> I've still got lots of time and going for it, but um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I snuck something into a post. I don't know if they went for it or not. Like a country song into a post about the great resignation. Oh, interesting. That said, take this job and shove it. And I included it in the opening of this blog post for a client. And I haven't heard back yet, actually. I got to find out what happened. (laughs) If I was going to say I have a flourish, it's me trying to work a random reference into something. So. Mm, okay maybe that's your thing maybe that's yeah really, we'll, see what, happens. Your we'll see what happens with that one but again yeah. <laughs> i would say the core thing is and even like again i have like i have three kids i'm like they're, they're still learning how to write um because they're still young but mm-hmm. i'm very i'm very um cognizant as they're writing and speaking and what they read i'm like oh, wait like here's how this is what a you know a noun and a pronoun and a verb and it's how all this works and i try to to go over them all the time but then I also like talk smack at their school because when they're when they're waiting in line like I'll shout you know I'm like no matter what they tell you Oxford commas are wrong and you know the teacher will just look at you just like thanks thanks <laughs> now I have to beat this out of them and I'm like oh sorry yeah. about that you know yeah so I do stuff like that but yeah that's funny <laughs> um oh, I was gonna ask something follow up about that um Oh yeah, I was gonna ask. So, like, if um, if you were to, I don't know, hire someone as an editor or like help work on a side project for you, and they didn't have a background, like an educational background in writing, what would you rather see from them 
to convince you that they can write and they are good at writing? Would you rather see like personal work that they've done? Is it side courses that they're taking? What's your I think you ha- you ha- I, ha- I have to see a sample, right? And that could just yeah. be, you know, a spec piece that they've written. Um, I saw actually someone talk about that the other day that just, you know, getting started is, you know, sometimes you just find a topic that you're passionate about and, and write about it. Right. right. And there's your, you know, you're trying to get started and get hired. I mean, it's same as I would like photography, right? Like you'll go out and like offer to shoot a friend's wedding or something, or you'll go just do something artistic to say like, here's, here's the kind of stuff that I shoot. And the same goes for writing. If you're trying to get started, which is, you know, I, I just want to see something that, that you've written um, mm-hmm. so I can get a sense for, for what you do, what kind of work you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. That's good to know. All right. So I want to know if, from your opinion, as so as our younger generations get older, like it's obvious that we have shorter attention spans. We're spending more time on these <laughs> short video streaming sites like TikTok, Instagram Reels. Um, so your work in blog writing newsletters, how do you see that going into the future? And do you would you say that people will still be interested in reading that kind of content? Um. Yes, yes and no. I mean, I think the there's the, an example of it, which is the number of times I've seen someone like complain on Twitter about looking for a guide to do something, how to, how to, you know, how to change a tire, how to change a spark plug, you know, your furnace, something you got to do X, Y, Z to do. And it's like, you Google it and you'll find all these YouTube videos, because it's obviously Google yeah. and they'll promote them. And, you know, it's a 15 minute video for how to change the air filter in your car, which is four steps, but they have to, you know, they, on the videos, they like over editorialize everything. It's like, you know, go right. to a recipe site. It's like a, you know, a four page essay on the history of something before you get to how to make, you know, scrambled eggs. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a, there's a weird rejection to a lot of the visual content. Mm. Um, you know, and, and the the written and, and oral will always be, I think, the the more preferred way of doing it. It's just more digestible. That's why podcasts work, right? Yeah. It's you can you can listen to them whenever. I mean, I've I've got a bunch of clients who do like these, you know, hour-long video webinars and they make them available afterwards on demand video. And they're like, Yeah, you know, we're just people aren't really watching them. I'm like, because no one wants to sit there and watch it. And watch it. Like yeah, no one's gonna watch an hour video. Now, if you just took the audio and made it a podcast and it's done yeah. you know now you've you've got this thing that someone could listen to on the go train or listen to on their car in the way of the commuter walking or whatever they want and whenever they want to listen to it um so i think i think there's a lot there for that but mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see like i i don't know how 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 much life a lot of these platforms have right like they'll be here but the but, stuff just seems as, as quick as the videos are. So is the adoption of those platforms. Mm. And so just like no one wants to be on Facebook anymore. There's going to be a time people don't want to be on TikTok. Yeah. Eventually, eventually 50 year olds are going to be on TikTok and that platform is going to be ruined. <laughs> and that's just the, the beautiful circle of life. Oh, wow. I can't imagine a day where my grandma's on TikTok. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to, but you think it and like, it, it's going to happen. They're going to yeah. be doing some TikTok dance. You're going to be like, you know what? I just, this isn't where I want to be anymore. That's true. That's true. We're going to phase away from that. 
Yeah, no, it's just it's 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 inevitable in a beautiful mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That yeah. that makes a lot of sense. You know, as things as time goes by, things get old and then a new thing comes and yeah. that will be the new trend. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, it was great talking to you today, Alex. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. And I'm looking forward to your to any more articles or newsletters coming out on your end. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that was Leave a Legacy with me, your host, Gabby. Today's episode was with Alex Kinsella. Uh, You can find Alex on Instagram and Twitter, just under Alex Kinsella, his name. And if you want to check out his work, he writes for the TLWR newsletter for Waterloo Region. Uh, Give us some feedback on the podcast. If you want to hear a certain guest, let us know. We are Legacy Canada, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. So shoot us a DM and let us know. Thanks, guys.